Good morning, comma, St. James Parish, exclamation point. Aren't English teachers just the best? Those brave people who taught all of us the difference between a comma and a semicolon, a question mark and an exclamation point, and let's not forget that all-important period. Without a period, those two sentences, I'm sorry, I love you, become, I'm sorry, I love you. Suffice to say, that little period might keep us out of a lot of trouble. So why am I starting my sermon with a talk about basic punctuation? Because it matters. Because it matters especially today, this morning, where we find our gospel passage smack dab in the middle of Luke, chapter 4. Do you remember just two short weeks ago, Jesus was getting baptized in the Jordan River? And then last week, he was at that wedding in Cana of Galilee. Somehow this season, we totally skipped over those 40 days in the wilderness where Jesus was tempted by Satan. Lent is just around the corner, though, so I'm sure that story will come around in the next couple of months. For now, let's just know that chronologically, Jesus is still just beginning his public ministry. But let's not forget that Jesus has just come out of his ordeal in the desert. Forty days. Now, I don't know about your experiences, but I'm pretty confident in saying that when people come out of the desert after having no food or water for 40 days, well, they don't come out. Jesus, however, did. And moreover, he emerged not empty at all, but filled, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's keep in mind that Jesus was God. So when it comes to the 40 days in the desert thing, as they say, don't try this at home. But also note that Jesus was newly baptized. Jesus was recognized by God himself as God's son. That's when he was led into the desert. That's when he was tested by Satan for almost six weeks. So never forget that when you are doing the work of heaven, you also may be a target, a target for the enemy, just like Jesus. He's come now through his season of temptation, though, filled with the Holy Spirit, which is pretty awesome. And the first thing he does, the very first thing he does is to go back home, back home to Nazareth. And I think that's pretty cool. Do you think that Jesus stayed with Mary and Joseph? I wonder if Jesus ever forgot to make his bed, or if he left towels on the floor, or a glass in the bathroom, or any of those things that our kids tend to do when they come back home. It's funny how when we are sorely tempted or put through a big trial, home always sounds so good, a touchstone, a safe haven. I'm comforted to know that our God in human form knew that. So maybe it's okay if he forgot to wash that extra dish. I suspect that Mary, his mother, was probably just fine with that, glad to have her son home for just a little while. Now, what did Jesus do when he got there? Well, he did his usual routine, and I love that. Luke tells us he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. So Jesus is in the temple reading Someone reaches into the basket and hands him the scroll of Isaiah. He turns to what we know as Isaiah chapter 61. He starts in verse 1. Let's hear it again. 
Let's listen closely and imagine Jesus speaking in the temple that day. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery to the sight of the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and... Wait, just a minute. Did I go too far from the gospel? I did. Because Jesus stopped that day before Isaiah's whole day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Now, this part is pretty important because in Isaiah, there is no punctuation mark after the words to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus put that period there when he read it. Jesus put that period there. He read until he was through. He put that period where there should have been one. And then, really, he dropped the mic and sat down. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Why did he put that period there? If you are a devout Jew in that synagogue, familiar with Isaiah, of course, you would be wondering about that part. You might be saying to yourself or to your neighbor next to you in the pew in a loud whisper, hey, what about the day of vengeance? We want some comfort for all who mourn in Zion. Why did Jesus put that period there? Simple. He put the period right where one was needed. Isaiah was a prophet, and he saw and recorded all the signs that he saw from a distance. Look at a mountain range sometime. I can tell you from Portland, Oregon, Mount Hood looks like one giant triangle. But when you get closer, you can see that there are valleys and gaps and several small summits before you reach the tippy top of that mountain. Look at a cityscape, even Wilmington. Before their first visit, our older children, Samuel and Ella Catherine, they both thought that St. James was right on the river. They couldn't tell from pictures that we are actually three blocks away from the water. So Isaiah, all of those thousands of years before, wrote the events, but not the time, and not the gaps between the events. Jesus put that period where he did to punctuate his first time on earth. After that punctuation mark, the latter part about vengeance and consolation for Zion, well, I believe that is when God will come back. My friends, you and I, all of us, our grandparents, our grandchildren, we are all living in the space between that period and the final day. And we remind ourselves of that every week, yes? In just about two minutes, we'll stand together and say, he will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. For over 2,000 years, we have lived in what we call the grace period of the church age. And wonderfully, we get to use it and love it and live in it filled with the zeal of the Holy Spirit. As Paul says, to strive for the greater gifts. Because at some point, the rest of the events from Isaiah's prophecy will happen. But do not be afraid because Paul also reminds us that we are the body of Christ. Period. But not the end. Next week, we get to hear what happens after Jesus 
sits down. Spoiler alert, there are some angry people and there is a cliff involved. How's that for a call to come back? You might even call it a cliffhanger. <laughs> Wonderfully, Jay Sidebotham will be right here to preach. So tune in or show up. And for now, amen.